are you doing? Hello. From deep cuts to future classics. Let's skip intro and find out what to watch on Netflix. Hello there, what to watch on Netflix listeners. How the devil are you? It's Jamie East here with a kind of a belated last bonus episode of, the, of season two of what to watch on Netflix. We saved this cracker until last. The Umbrella Academy season two dropped on July the 31st across the world. And a couple of weeks ago, I had the absolute delight and pleasure to catch up with uh, Mr. Robert Sheehan, who plays Klaus in the Umbrella Academy. Now, Robert is one of my favourite people to interview in the entire planet. I've interviewed him uh, for, for many of his TV shows and films that he's been in, and he never, ever disappoints. I mean, he's got one of those voices that you could just listen to. Just He could read the telephone directory, and you would be on, you'd be, be drooling and, and bewitched by his intoxicating accent and passion for life. Uh, and he was, he was on fine form, which you'll hear in a minute. But if you're new to the Umbrella Academy, if you didn't catch any of season one, let me give you a little bit of a recap. Robert does a good job of... Uh, of summing it up nicely, but a bit of history. Uh, the Umbrella Academy, it's a superhero uh, series, kind of, kind of a superhero series, not in, not in the traditional sense, not in your Marvel or your DC comic sense, but it's based on a comic book series that was written by Gerard Way. Steve Blackman and Jeremy Slater then adapted that comic book series for Netflix. And as Robert goes on and tells you, it's about a very dysfunctional family with what appears to be at first an extremely sadistic adoptive father. And by the way, their butler is a talking chimpanzee. But that is never really brought up as being an odd thing, which should give you an indication as the kind of kookiness and the kind of eccentricities you'll catch in Umbrella Academy. Enough twaddle from me. You're not here to listen to me. You are here to listen to Mr. Robert Sheehan. So allow me to hand you over to Klaus himself, the darling of Netflix. Here he is. Who's there? Diego! The end of the world, November 25th, 1963. And where am I now? Dallas, 10 days earlier. I need to find my family. Robert, darling, how are you doing, sir? Wonderful, Pumpkin. All the better for seeing you. How are you doing? Really good, mate. Really good. Welcome back for the second season of Umbrella Academy. I've just been revisiting it and kind of getting back up to speed on it and then catching up with the first episode of, of season two. Give a little synopsis. I mean, we can't give any spoilers because a lot of people, what people tend to do is they see press for the second series and they go, oh, nuts, I, I need to watch the first one. So give us a give us a brief recap. Oh, d- uh, d- dysfunctional family Adopted siblings, tragic reunion, the death of a none too loving father who sort of brings them back together under complicated circumstances. And that's the sort of jump off point where you learn backwards and forwards kind of who they are. And then from then on, it's hope you like these characters, guys, because they're getting into very <laughs> odd situations. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that most of the, uh, the children that are gathered together all have some kind of secret superpower kind of thing and and klaus's superpower it's not it's a weird superpower you have to say you know when you first find out about klaus everyone else has got these kind of like 
They're all, yeah. they're all very specific superpowers, aren't they? You know, there's bending knives around corners and there's yours, which at first glance appears to be a bit crap. Yeah, that's true. And I, th- I think it probably it is a bit crap. I think, you know, the old interval of death. Yeah. I think the veil not best lifted by the living. Klaus is like Doris Stokes mixed with Jack Sparrow. What was Doris Stokes's thing? Who is Doris Stokes? Sorry, I forget that you're very young and I'm very old. So Doris Stokes, uh, when I was growing up, uh, much like uh, quicksand, uh, there were things that you were frightened of inexplicably yeah. that were never quicksand frightened. Quicksand had a, a huge cultural... Had really bad press, yeah. Yeah. And Doris Stokes was a similar kind of figure that I was terrified of. She was basically just a psychic. She was like a she was like Derek Cora, if Derek Cora was like an old granny that did the knitting. Oh, like a Miss Marple. Exactly that. Exactly Clickpoint. that. Oh, I'd yeah. love a bit of Doris. <laughs> uh, so so Klaus is, is is similar. What's the word it's used? Transference or Kardashian, yeah, I believe. <laughs> knitting. Yeah. Uh yeah, you can't quite put your finger on it, can you? Because I suppose Klaus can't either, certainly at the start of the whole story. Yeah. Uh, because he's been running away from his perceived superpower, which is really a giant thorn in his arse and has kind of been the cause of a lot of emotional tra- trauma in his, in his young years, which, do you know, I was listening to this lovely talk between Gabor Mate and Russell Brand recently. Gabor Mate was saying, through these studies of, of, of emotional trajectories, when something very traumatic happens in your early life, that's that's not um, it's not you know it's not examined and it's not sort of looked at and kind of turned over. Uh, it, it distorts the emotional trajectory pretty badly, and sort yeah. of so as you can imagine, starting from a point, deviating away, it gets worse and worse and worse the more time goes by. And I think Klaus kind of sums him up textbook. You know, he's someone who spent so long, certainly again at the start of things, he's someone who spent so long uh, riddling himself with drugs so as to keep away from the dead. You know, he kind of had the opposite idea to Doris. Doris was all the way towards the light, Caroline. Whereas, far from the light, was she? <laughs> she was, I think she was the light. Who knows? I mean, her. now Derek's up there. There's going to be some stiff competition, though, you know. So. <laughs> Derek, of course. I had, a, you know, when I was 17, I had a tutor because, I, know, I must have been 16. I was underage and I was in Vancouver and I had a lovely tutor called Rachel who was from New Zealand and she, you know, she had the masters in engineering and been a teacher for many years, but having got to know each other, she told me she was audio voyant sort of meaning. Wow, what does that mean? She had frequent interactions with ghosts or what you and I would call ghosts uh, through sound, you know, sound. Wow, so she didn't see them. She just heard them. Yeah. And it, it, she was a very, very sort of, she's her head together. She was a very kind of a, I thought very sober source to get this from, you know, someone who's very, her feet very much planted on the ground, but was someone who was able to convey that in a very casual way. The experiences didn't scare her, you know, but I just love that. I just yeah. thought that there are people out in the world wandering around with these experiences that they, they look at the mainstream, identify early on that these are not things that are going to be well received and put them on the shelf, yeah. you know. Or and if you're David Icke. Just, just, just put it out there. Make it off the shelf and sling it out there. Exactly. Thank God for for Dave. You know, he's kind of you know he he almost occupies a. He probably he probably 
kill me for saying, occupies a similar cultural space of the weird. And I mean that in the best possible way. Ooh, Umbrella Academy. I think Umbrella Academy is a sort of a delicious sort of dive into the weird, you know, into the strange. Well, his theory that everyone's a shell, shell suit wearing lizard, you know, would, f- I mean, maybe that's season three. <laughs> you know? All right, quick rundown. Luther, super strength. Klaus can commune with the dead. Allison can rumor anyone to do anything. Except she never uses it. I heard a rumor. You punched yourself you in the face. Damn it! I wonder if you can help me out. Why are father relationships so difficult and such a rich seam for for kind of storylines in in all of creativity and all of whether it's whether it's films, TV, or books? And yet, mother and child is all quite rosy, isn't it? Whereas that, whereas mm. you know, in every Tom Cruise film, he's always got a problem with his dad. Yeah, and, and it's just like a, it's a thread that runs through. And I'm wondering what that is. I think it's it's a bit like Derek Akora, actually. <laughs> it's it's Hollywood trying to cold read their audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so most of you will have had an issue with your father. It sort of points to how we all grow up. You know, we all grow up in these one impression impression of a man and one impression of a woman. Typically, you know, yeah, yeah. in a family growing up in the very very formative years. You know, you have you have family and people are uh, more or less connected to indirect family, uncles, aunties and everything else. But generally, I think we grow up with one really profound impression of what a grown man is supposed to be and what a yeah. grown is supposed to be. And then because of that, those models can only kind of let you down when you're young. Yeah. You know? Whereas... If the sort of the walls around family sort of change, and I don't think I don't know if this is the right thing, but you know, if if we lived in Klaus's cult, for example, children growing up would have hundreds of impressions of one grown man and hundreds of impressions of one grown woman. And I would sort of like to see the kind of social results compared a bit, because you wouldn't have so much expectation on your father or your mother to let you down because yeah. because they'd be contextualised with many others, you know. Family's obviously a huge running theme throughout the Umbrella Academy. And uh, again, without giving any spoilers away to anybody that's listening to this that hasn't kind of yet finished season one, we end season one back at the beginning. It's kind of, it's quite a cyclic story. Is that fair to say? Very fair, yeah. What have we learned this time around? Are, are you now at the beginning of season two, uh, capitalizing on your learnings from season one, or are you still making the same fucking mistakes all over again? It's probably it's probably more from column B than column A. Whether or not they've they've travelled through time, they're still carrying the the sort of <laughs> the the oddness of their characters and all the good and bad habits that they've they've picked up along the way. Klaus, who I who I do, he he's someone who you know I think for years of trying to get drugs. Meaning, the one way that he's done that is 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 by manipulating people, charming people, and and becoming vital to people's lives, and I think that works almost too well in the early nineteen sixties. You know, so he, in a way, he does. I mean, the you know, I kind of can't talk about this one gag, but there is a gag in the show with Klaus in the second season 
which uh, uh, is is all is basically just summing up his exploitative nature in 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 in, a, in, a, in an eggshell because um, he's sort of taking popular things from the now and using them as profundity back in the early 1960s and kind of duping folks, you know. That's the dream, isn't it? It's, it's that question. If you could go back in time with all the knowledge you have now, what would you do? And Klaus does it basically to, I guess, to, to get laid and to take drugs, which is, which is you know, it's a, it's a pretty admirable cause. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, how will it work the best? Because yeah. well, it depends on they what... could have you... gone back and invented the iPhone, but no. Yeah, it would be useless. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> All right, first off, I want to say we brought the end of the world back here with us. Oh, my God, again? My cult is going to be so pissed. I told him we had until 2019. We have until Monday. Everything in our new lives is connected to the plot to assassinate the president. That can't be a coincidence. None of us are supposed to be here, right? We know something changes the timeline. I have to make it right again before everyone and everything we know is dead. How was filming the second time round? Now that you'd all kind of found your groove and found your characters, was it was it quite easy to slip back into it all? It was. It was. I'd say the, the, the challenge at the start of the second season, all of us being somewhat atomized because we're, we're sort of scattered in time. So yeah. we have all had to kind of become somewhat independent and autonomous kind of what it was like before the start of the first season you know we were just out there surviving as normal people so we're kind of thrust back into that and the audience gets to see us quarrel with just being people without the support structure of, of our siblings around and it's uh, like crocodile dundee too when he goes to when he goes you know what i mean he has to go back <laughs> You know, he's, he's out, he's, yet again, he's a fish out of water, out of water. Is it that kind he, of thing? He go to New York in the first one. He, he went did. to New York in the first one. Oh my God, what was the plot for the second one? Because how can you be a fish out of water? I can't, I'm trying to remember what happened in the second one. I think he had to go back to Australia. End of the first one, yeah. There's that lovely scene in the subway and he climbs over all the people. Ah, the love scene. Yes. Yeah. But what happened in the second one? Hang on a second. I can't believe I'm to type out the plot to Crocodile Dundee 2 here. Be, uh, the plot, a year has passed since the events of Crocodile Dundee. Mick and Sue are living happily together in New York, although his ignorance of city life is a hazard. <laughs> She's working for the DEA and gangsters take her hostage and take her back to Australia. Why do they take her to Australia? I don't know. Was, I mean, it's fortuitous for him because that's where he came from. The stupid, yeah. like, dr- criminals. They, they could have gone anywhere. Immediately, I'd be like, he's hired these gangsters. <laughs> exactly. He's he's fake the whole thing. Can you give us a hint as to who who the protagonist is uh, in season two? You know, are we still are we still Vanya, or is there is there is there is there is there a it's multi stranded? It's 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 fair to say it's so multi stranded. Because uh, because we've been alone for a period of time, we've all developed little lives to be getting on with, and and then they become the kind of uh, sort of strength of our focus. So yeah, you could say Vanya is a protagonist. Five is a protagonist because you know he he's kind of he has a uh, he he basically has to save the world. You know yeah. that mission isn't uh, isn't done. 
So that's the kind of big uh, uh, protagonist. So there's a big overarching kind of uh, story thread, but then you've each got your individual kind of battles to deal with. When when you're filming this, do you have a sense of everybody else's storylines or do you kind of like put the blinkers on? And it's like, well, I just need to know what Klaus is doing and I'll be surprised as like, along with everyone else when I, when I sit down and watch it. Well, no, you you know, you're you're getting scripts and then you're getting rewrites and, you know, they're very, very confidential these days with material, you know, these days the culture around scripts has changed. Is it biometric iPads now, as opposed to kind of just red photocopied paper? Yeah, it can, it can be that, you know, you have to, you do have to insist at a certain stage. Yes, I would like my script in paper, please. <laughs> I read the thing on the laptop, I'll throw myself off the balcony. Yeah, and yeah. you know, you want to be doing doodles and notes and, you know, just sending that, oh, that scene could eventuate with, oh, you know, this idea and just yeah. write it down because you never know what's going to come of it. Ah, yeah, you know, you read, you have a sort of a, a sense of what's going on. But to be honest, this show, what with its time travel, sort of morphing madness, there are times where you have to, you have to go back. And also, as you near the end of shooting a season of television, there's always bits that you've dropped along the way. So you yeah, have to yeah, yeah. revisit stages in the, in the week of the Umbrella Academy characters, you know, the eight days that they've had and go, right, where was I emotionally and what was what everything else, what was going on? I've spoken to other people that have done time travel stuff before and they the only way that they can remember is because, oh, I, I remember I had a scratch in that version there. I was wearing a different kind <laughs> yeah. of tie in that. It must be an absolute... You know, I, I think you get long enough in the tooth where you stop trying to do everybody else's job. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's other folks' <laughs> job. And, you know, Klaus... Thank God, he's not the one who's over and across the time travel. Five is very much the guy who knows the math. Yeah. So the less five kind of, underst- or sorry, the less Klaus understands about it, the kind of more honest, you know, it is. So, you know, no, no heavy lifting required really when it comes to the, the sort of oddness of the time travel, you know. And and if you had to, if you had to kind of pick an, an overarching theme for season two, what would it be? Um, I think it's oppression, you know. Right. I think I think uh, it's a very 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 different America that the that the siblings go back to, and of course they have to deal with social oppressions that they never would have dreamed of in 2019. So that's a big that's a big thing in the second season, yeah, because you couldn't ignore it. It was 1963. It was a very contentious year for civil rights. You know, there was a lot changing for the good, and so there's a lot of that stuff that's being dropped in. There's also you know the fact that it was illegal to be gay i believe you know this is me unfact checked but it was (laughs) became legal in the early to mid 70s you know in texas where where the second season is set so well listen i'm one episode in it's already tons of fun i can't wait to get stuck into the rest and you know fingers crossed we'll be talking again in in what about 18 months time for the the next one that would that would be great rob i'm going to throw something on you if you don't know then that's absolutely fine what's floating your boat at the moment i love all the murder stuff do you know me i do i've watched unsolved mysteries that's the new one that's come out oh it's crazy i made the mistake of letting my 11 year old watch it last night and uh, the lights had to be left on i should have checked but uh, but yeah if you like all the murder mysteries go and watch that it's fantastic love a bit of murder mystery which i liked don't fuck with cats but at the same time i i felt sorry for that lad you know the lad who did you yes i did wow that's a strange hill to die on rob sheen talk about (laughs) talk about emotional trajectories you know i suppose like you know once someone 
does that horrendous crime of murder. It's, it's, you know, it's justifiable to dehumanize them in some way. But at the same time, you're like, this lad grew up single parent family, probably not great, you know, probably desperately lonely and unhappy. And, you know, I just felt compassion for the lad. What can I say? I'm human. So I enjoyed that. I liked, I liked Tiger King. I quite liked that. It was sort of, you know, it was. It you was, see, um, if if you if if you straighten the hair and dyed it, you know, you could do. You know, when they come to do the dramatization, there's oh, yeah. a little bit of Joey Exotic in Rob Sheen. I'm telling you. Well, do you know what? Actually, give me a good idea there because there's these brilliant uh, impersonators called Hillywood, and they right. did a brilliant Umbrella Academy takeoff. And I was thinking, me and Tom Hopper, right? Yeah. Playing was he called Travis? Yes. Was, well, yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah make a good Travis and then I'd be all like little Joe Exotic like sort of charming Amazing. Alan, right. Alan could be Carol Baskin oh this we, we, look this is a, this is this is going somewhere yeah. where it's this kind of Netflix echo chamber where everything <laughs> and everything else off when Netflix does their version of Comic Relief or something you all have to play each other's kind of like shows like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I must give honourable mention to is Frankie Boyle's comedy specials man okay yeah 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 they're on the UK Netflix and they are like I, I absolutely love Frankie Boyle for his brain, which is the size of an iceberg. He's he's got an amazing nose for jokes, and I really, really love that about. Him. I can't end it on on talking about uh, Frankie Boyle, so I'll just I'll just say once again, Umbrella Academy season two is out this week. And Rob, it is always a pleasure speaking to you, sir. Uh, you're one of my favourite people to interview, and you have not let me down once more. Hopefully, next time in the flesh, my dear. You you better believe it, baby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're not here to sell vacuums. The commission will hunt us down wherever and whenever we go. I need a spotter. What is that, like a wingman? You don't know anything about I know everything. You are an open book written for very dumb children. Been here? No, unfortunately, ghosts can't time travel. Are you kidding me? Ah!